Welcome to this episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. We are back both together, Hayden and Evan. Hello there. And this is loud. I hope it's not as loud for you guys who hear it, but uh, if it is, let us know. But we at Compass Bible Church exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the rish- the rishin, the rishin of mission and tishin and trishin. Uh, <laughs> is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Life Group Leaders, I've spent a lot of time talking today. A lot of words have come out of this mouth today, which uh, you got to be careful because the Bible says, the Proverbs say, with many words comes much M- sin. Yeah, right? multitude of sin. All right, got to be careful with what we say. So with that being said, we want to make sure that we say the right thing in this podcast. And now we're signing off. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> and we uh, just finished up Baptism Sunday. And uh, wow, what an amazing opportunity that was to hear those testimonies. What mm. a praise. If you missed any of them, they'll all be on YouTube uh, in the near future, and we'd love for you to watch them there. But Pastor Evan, we have a new, uh, new sermon that we just preached called Grace Poured Out, a template for sharing an effective testimony from 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. Would you like to read that? It would be my pleasure. 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithfully, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life to the king of the ages immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever amen hmm. so good all right pastor hayden what was your main point of your very short sermon yeah uh, if you're at the nine you heard seven minute sermon if you're at the 11 you heard about a 20 minute sermon or so uh, but either, but both sermons, the point was the same, that an effective testimony emphasizes the work of Christ on behalf of unworthy sinners and includes how God has been working through them ever since. And so as we looked at the Apostle Paul's testimony in First Timothy, we recognize that there's a couple of things that, that we need to make sure are, are very visible and apparent in our own testimony, which is that you need to prove you knew the cost of sin, number one. Number two, that you need to emphasize Christ's work on our behalf. And uh, three, we need to share what God is doing in your life now. I mean, that all says, I knew the reason why Christ came to die because of my sin. Uh, I'm focused on who Christ is and what he's done on my behalf. I don't think I don't talk and focus about me, what I've done to make myself saved, how good I am, all the bad things that I was. I, I don't emphasize me. I emphasize the work of Christ. And then I talk about how Christ is working in me now through the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of my life. Uh, all those things are so important when it comes to sharing an effective testimony that helps people understand and see uh, the necessity for them to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which a praise. I mean, I was able to lead a guy to Christ today 
in the in the auditorium after service. Yes, you did. And uh, wh- why? Because God had drawn him to Himself through the means of the testimonies that he heard today. And so praise the Lord for that. And we have another man, yeah, getting baptized in October because of the baptism services here, because people were desiring to share an effective testimony that was effective for helping people understand their need for salvation. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, I have a few questions for us. Uh, I guess first question that is not even written down here. Uh, for for life groups, and so I know we have some application questions for us. But can you, how can we be, be uh, best prepare ourselves? As we heard a very short sermon, particularly in the nine a.m. Um, but you know, how can we effectively lead a discussion this week on a short sermon with baptism testimonies? What would you recommend doing? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's short sermon, right? I mean, how are you going to do? How are you going to have an hour long discussion on a seven minute sermon? Well, I mean. If you think about it, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was only about, you know, a 15-minute-long oration, but we spend the last year on it. Uh, so it's not impossible, although I will not uh, elevate my words to the equality of the uh, eternal God uh, incarnate. And s- but the point, and it's still the same, that we can take what we learned and make sure that we can, as life group leaders, you should be able to actually uh, take that and uh, expand on it. Well, and the way you can do that, obviously, is by going through the application questions. Although the, the sermon was only 7 to 20 minutes, depending on what service you were in, the time that we put into the sermon was much more than that, which means the application questions are, uh, are meant to bring out more than a 7-minute conversation. And so st- sticking with those application questions are going to help you guys uh, have a fruitful conversation, and they're designed to really get to the heart of, of uh, what's going on uh, in the life of the believer and the, those even the unregenerate person. I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, question number two in itself can just be so important to the life of the Christian that we talked about in the service about saying, you know, Paul couldn't have been the most sinful person in history because there were way more sinful people in history, but he knew for all intents and purposes that he was the chief of sinners and then there's the question is, how does a keen awareness of your depravity enable you to call yourself the chief of sinners? Like We should all be able to, uh, with a clear conscience, be able to call ourselves chief of sinners. Uh, and if we can't, I don't think we really understand our sin enough. And, I mean, wow, what a, what a conversation starter. So I'm really confident that you guys are going to be able to uh, have plenty of time to talk through these testimonies uh, and, uh, and these application questions. Uh, during your time. And as always, we encourage you to talk about the baptism testimonies. It's so helpful uh, and is often a means for people to see their need for Christ, even in life group. Yeah, and if you had someone in your group be baptized, make sure you celebrate it. Absolutely. You should celebrate all those in your in your group who have been baptized recently. Your Tuesday life group is going to be full. And I love it. So good. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, there's a few questions I've written down mm-hmm. on, on the points. So, Point number one, you kind of addressed the question already for prove you knew the cost of sin. Um, but here's a, here's a question for you. Why is understanding our sin necessary for salvation? Well, if you don't understand the sin uh, and the sinfulness of sin and your own culpability uh, for the consequences of sin, you have no idea why Jesus came. And this is why it is important, because in this world that we say, well, Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. It's like, yep, but he's, he, Jesus is only going to have relationships with uh, with one kind of people, those kind of people who knew they were sinner, sinners and were in need of him. Like, think about that. Jesus is not going to be in a relationship with anybody who did not know they were sinful. 
There's only one person, God, that Christ has a relationship who didn't sin, and his name is God the Father, right? And God the Son, and God the Spirit, the triune God. But the point of the matter is, is any relationship that God has with any human is going to be because they admitted to their sin. You can't, you can't be in relationship with God in any other way. Now, you may be, you may be ignorant of, of maybe not. I I don't think you can really be ignorant of sin, but make the argument, right? You're ignorant of sin. Well, you will be, you will, you will still be judged based upon your sin. Even if you're ignorant of it, your, your sin penalty may not be as consequential as those who willfully rejected, but it's still there. I mean, you're still guilty whether or not you understand it or not. That's why understanding it is important for salvation, because that's how salvation, uh, that's how salvation is understood in the mind by saying, I need it. And how do I know I need it? Because I'm a sinner. And with that bad news, it leads to the good news, which is essentially point number two, emphasize Christ's work on your behalf. And I got a few questions under this one. And sometimes when we hear testimonies, it's all about how terrible, terrible of a bad person I was. But let me tell you how bad a person I was. Right. How do we fall into the temptation of talking about us more than Christ when we share our testimony? Well, this is going to be good for you life group leaders to help your uh, members of your life group understand this. A testimony may be your testimony, but it's a testimony about Jesus. And uh, too often we make testimonies about ourselves, how bad we were, how bad bad things were my whole life. Most of us start, well, I was born on December the 15th, 1993. It's like, all right, all right, all right. You know, (laughs) we don't need to know everything about your life. What we need to know, do you know you're a sinner? And now I want to know about the work of Christ. That's what I want to know about. I want to know about the work of Christ in your life. It's not that we don't care about your life, but it's not about us, right? I mean, that's the that's the biblical uh, that's the biblical narrative throughout Scripture. It's not about you and me. It's about God, and we want to make our testimony primarily about God, not about us. And I know too many testimonies. They spend, you know, they give a ten minute testimony, and eight nine minutes is on them, and then they say, and then Jesus saved me. Praise the Lord. It's like, well, that, that didn't say much about the person and work of Christ. It said more about the person and work of Hayden. And um, that's, a, that's a problem testimony any, if, that's, if that's what it's about. So then in your sermon, it, you talked about, or actually one of your application questions actually, is like how does centralizing the person and work of Christ make a testimony truly effective? How can we, mm-hmm. as life group leaders, help our people understand that? Well, because what, what your your aim in a testimony is is to help people understand their need for salvation. And you talking about yourself is not going to give anyone any understanding about how to be saved. You can't save them. Your life is proof that you couldn't save yourself. And so if I don't centralize, the more I spend in my sermon talking about the person and work of Christ, the more effective my testimony is going to be to help other people see their need for Jesus Christ. The less I spend talking about Jesus and his work uh, in my life, the less likely people are going to be able to understand that Jesus is the answer for their sin, too. Uh, and and the, the, the more I spend talking about me, uh, the more my, my testimony is going to sound like the testimony of every human. Because every human has a testimony of their sin, of how they've wrecked their life, and how they've at some, at some point ca- called out to a deity somewhere, in some way, whatever they believed to be a transcendent being. Uh, And so what's different about us and them if you're a Christian? The person and work of Jesus. So if you, the more time you spend on the person and work of Jesus in your testimony, the more effective it will be. 
And you know, whenever we meet with people who are going to share their testimony, we, we try to help them. This is how you share a, a testimony with someone. Do you mind if I share the quick outline I give to people? Sure, yeah. We got, we got a couple minutes. And so what I tell people to, to help them know what do I say then with my testimony. I have I was saved at 20 years old. So do I start at November 9th, 1990 in Orange Hospital and or jo- St. Joseph's Hospital, Orange, California? No. We hope not. Yeah. And so it's remembering the goal. And so to help our life groups, uh, people, is go, what is the goal of a testimony? Well, in all things, if whether eat, sleep, or drink, or share a testimony, what is it? To glorify God. So the goal of a testimony is to glorify God. Now we have to think of, okay, who am I talking to? Well, there's three audiences that we're addressing. If we're glorifying God, well, he is audience number one. And so we, we're trying to do is to exalt God and what he's done. The second audience is is believers. And for the believers, the church, we are sharing a testimony to encourage them to keep going, remembering what God has done in their life and, and also what God is doing in others' life to keep going in their faith. And then audience number three is the unbeliever, to exhort the unbeliever to respond to the gospel like you have and many others have so that they too can have the forgiveness of sins. And so finally, I give them a three-point outline that kind of achieves the goal of glorifying God, talking to the audience of God, the believers, and the unbelievers. And the first point of the outline is life before Christ. And the way that I, I explain that is you have to answer this question. How do I know I was not a Christian? Because that's what the unbelievers thinking, and that's what the believer also the believers thinking. Well, you said you were once saved in the sixth grade, Pastor Evan. How do you know you weren't a Christian? Well, I would explain what Galatians five sixteen to the twenty five would say. This is the fruit of the flesh that I was enslaved to, and this is the fruit of the spirit that I lacked. And so then I describe point number two: when I met Christ, my conversion. Now I didn't meet Jesus of Nazareth in in the flesh. Instead, I met his, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, as he opened my eyes. And so I described my conversion of the question I'm answering is, how did God save me? Now, this is kind of a two-part answer. It was, well, the salvation was accomplished 2,000 years ago on the cross, and it was, a, it was applied back in 2011 when I repented of my sins and trusted in Christ. And so that's why I talk about my conversion. And so then point number, uh, outline number three is, what does my life with Christ look like? And the question I am answering is, how do I know I am a Christian? Showing that here is the sin that used to, I used to be enslaved to is now less, and here is the fruit of the Spirit that is now increasing because of the work of the Spirit in my life. And so one of the most key aspects of all of that is using Scripture. Because here's the, here's the truth. Before we became Christians, we didn't understand reality to its fullest. Now, as Christians, we understand reality more, but still not to its fullest. Well, how do we understand what is truly re- real? Well, turning to the God who is real, who, who, is, who defines reality, and he has given us his word to show this is why bad things happen to seemingly good people. This is why there's death. This is why you have a desire for eternal life. So he gives us his word to share this is the real picture that we're trying to grasp at. And so when I'm trying to glorify God, talking to, you know, exalting God, 
encouraging the believer, exhorting the unbeliever, describing my life before Christ. When I met Christ, my life with Christ, I'm going to try to use scripture throughout it to describe to others what God did in me. And that's a way that we believe that you can have a testimony that exalts and glorifies God. All right. Love it. All right. Well, Pastor, we've got a few minutes left. For, i got a, another question under point number three. Share what God is doing in your life now. Yeah. So why does the work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life bring assurance of salvation? It's the, the testimony of Scripture talks so much about being brought out of sin, brought out of darkness, brought out of uh, being an enemy, and being brought into a new position, whether that's the child of God, the kingdom of his beloved son, uh, being brought into light, uh, and all of that you would expect as a part of that comes new attitudes, behaviors, ambitions, desires, uh, and that is exactly what scripture teaches us happens, that uh, when someone receives the Holy Spirit at salvation and the new new heart that they have, uh, that comes with that new desires, and that comes with that an assurance of salvation, the fact that I did not desire these things. I did not have an appetite for these things. I did not want these things until God got a hold of me and saved me and gave me his Holy Spirit. And then he uh, put these things before me and caused me to walk in them. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, all of that says, hey, I, I know that I'm saved. And that's like me. It's like, man, did I say the exact words I needed to? Did I really understand enough? It's like, you know what proves to me? that I'm saved even days where there is like wondering when, 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 or if. No, even in your worst day of wondering, the Holy Spirit is going to bring assurance of saying, there is no way I am how I am now. I, I say no to my will. I say yes to God's will. Why would I ever do that? I deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow Christ. Why would I do that apart from the Holy Spirit pr- pr- uh, producing that in me? I would not. And I have so much assurance, even on the, the worst day, saying, God saved me, and it's evident empirically through what he's doing in my life today. All right. Well, Life Group Leaders, we have a few announcements. So, Pastor Hayden, what are these announcements? All right. Announcements are this, baptism service. Uh, <laughs> we just had a baptism service, and we're announcing the next one. October 15th. We have uh, probably about six to seven more spots open for our baptism service. We want to encourage you, if you have not registered, go ahead and register for the baptism uh, baptism service October the 15th. And we want to encourage you, as always, uh, second week of second Saturday of every month is men's fellowship. So make sure you prioritize our men's fellowship September 9th from 9 to 11. And then we announced today a cool new part of our webpage called Serve at Compass. And it's a place for people who've gone through Exploring Compass who maybe aren't serving, want to want to serve somewhere else, or, or a multitude of reasons. There is a link there that you can tell your life group, uh, compasshillcountry.org/serve-at-compass, and uh, you can go there and you can sign up to serve somewhere uh, where your giftings align. And we'd love for you to do that. If you're not serving with us, and I know you guys as life group leaders are, but if you have people in your life group who aren't, I want to encourage you to uh, point this their way so they can begin serving with us. Life group leaders are thankful for you. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.